0: This is how I choose to begin on this Friday with a headline from the Washington Post. Oh, there is glee in my voice, ladies and gentlemen, and you shall soon know why. The Washington Post has a headline that says Green Party candidate says he might be part alien. Doesn't care if he's a spoiler in Ohio election. There are Democrats and a lot of folks in social media who say you were a spoiler in that Ohio special congressional election on Tuesday. This headline from the Wednesday Daily Mail went into it a bit more in detail. Green Party spoiler candidate in Ohio whose 1,100 votes could tilt outcome Says his ancestors were from another planet and can't remember his own campaign website address. So the Green Party candidate is being vilified. By the way, the facts belie that he was a spoiler. As to the 0.6% of the vote, his Manchik is his name, that he captured in Tuesday's special election, there's simply no evidence that he swung the race from Democrat Danny O'Connor to Republican Troy Balderson. Even if every one of Manchik's 1,129 votes would have otherwise turned out for for O'Connor, very doubtful that they all would have, the Democrat would still be several hundred votes behind Balderson. But it has not spared the complaint, and you saw this Tuesday night, Tuesday night, if you were watching a Twitter feed, you saw people were like, oh, who's this Green Party candidate who believes in aliens? It's his fault. And then there's Kansas, which also had an election on Tuesday. And I paid attention to this one because both here on POTUS and on CNN, CNN last Saturday, I gave a platform to two teenagers running for governor of Kansas. And because of Kansas law, they could run even though they're not old enough to vote for themselves. Two 17-year-olds were on my CNN program last week. Well, guess what? That election, which is now the subject of a recall, was decided by a whisker and 7,608 Kansans voted for gubernatorial candidates who were too young to vote for themselves so the same argument is who voted for these kids you know they altered the outcome of the election if 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 they hadn't voted for the kids it would have turned out differently tc's telling me namaste no tc i've i've had this coming for a while and i am just ecstatic about what i'm about to say i haven't even gotten there yet Let me just see what this says from the Washington Post about Kansas. At one point, six teenagers were running for governor. In the end, just three appeared on the ballot. Democrat Jack Bergeson won 3,850 votes. He led the pack, the pack of the teens. Republicans Tyler Ruzik, he was on my CNN show as well, and Joseph Tatera. I wonder why I didn't put him on. I could have had all three. Uh, Got the rest of the vote. Bergeson was a non-factor in the Democratic race but had a fraction of the votes for Ruzik or Tetera, who described themselves as moderates, gone to Governor Jeff Collier, the Republican, he would be entering the recount against Chris Kobach with a lead. There it is, the same charge. All oh, those teens, they swayed the outcome. And ladies and gentlemen, you should know by now, the reason that I am bringing this up is it reminds me of those who blame certain people third-party voters in 2016 for deciding the election in favor of one Donald J. Trump. Hmm. But on that score, I proclaim today that I am vindicated. Philip Bump in the Washington Post. It's now in my Twitter feed, and please read it at Smirconish.com brought new data to my attention. It's actually information that comes from Pew Research and it's data about the electorate in 2016. So much has been uh, written and estimated about the 137 million who voted. But what makes this analysis different is that it not only confirms who voted, and, and by the way, uh, it points out self-reported turnout. I, I read the actual study, of course. Self-reported turnout was not used in this analysis. Rather, researchers took extensive effort to determine which respondents had, in fact, voted. I didn't fully realize this until I delved deeply into this new data. But oftentimes, and I, I want to distinguish the, the generic polling of What happened in an election from exit surveys where as people come out of the polls, they are questioned. But oftentimes it's a telephone caller calling somebody after the election and saying, hey, did you vote? Did you vote last week? Did you vote last Tuesday? And a lot of people lie because they don't want to be uh, outed as not having participated. This survey is different. This survey actually went, I think, through like five different methods And confirmed, okay, they actually did vote. It not only analyzes then who voted in the election, but it studies who did not. And this paragraph, again from Philip Bump's analysis, jumped off the page at me. The data makes another point very clear. Those who didn't vote are as responsible for the outcome of the election As those who did. And there are so many interesting nuggets about those who did not vote in the 2016 election. About 30% of Americans who were eligible to vote decided not to. That is a higher percentage of the portion of the country who voted either for Trump or for Hillary. About 30% of Americans eligible to vote who decided not to, represent a higher percentage of the portion of the country who voted for either Hillary or for Donald Trump. And there is just tons of good stuff here. First of all, who did vote for whom? In 2016, a, I'm, I'm gonna, this will be distracting because I'm about to hit you with three or four paragraphs of data. I just think it's so rich in insight into how Trump pulled this off. Let me wade through this. Keep two hands on the wheel. In 2016, a 61% majority of those who said they voted for Clinton were women. Trump voters were more evenly divided between men and women. Whites constituted nearly 9 in 10, actually 88%. Whites constituted nearly 9 in 10 of Trump supporters compared with a smaller majority, 60% who voted for Clinton. Clinton's voters were younger than Trump's on average, 48% of them, younger than 50. 35% in that category for Trump. Let's delve into who were Clinton's voters. 43% were college graduates. That compares to 29% of Trump voters. And while non-college whites made up a majority of Trump's voters. Non-college whites were 63% of Trump's voters. They constituted only about a quarter of Clintons, 26%. About a third of Clinton voters, 32%, lived in urban areas. Only 12% of Trump's voters in urban areas. By contrast, 35% of Trump voters said they were from rural areas. Among Clinton voters only 19%. On religious uh, grounds, meaning religious profiles, big differences. About a third of Clinton voters, 35%, were religiously unaffiliated. So she got the nuns, not as in Sister Betrill, but the N-O-N-E-S nuns. Only 14% of Trump's voters White evangelicals made up a much greater share of Trump's voters than Clinton's, 34% to 7%. One in five Trump voters, 20% were white, non-Hispanic Catholics, compared with just 9% of Clinton voters. So he did well with the Catholics. Black Protestants, 14% Clinton supporters, while almost no black Protestants in the survey reported voting for Trump. So that's who voted for each of the candidates. And I don't know that there are any great surprises there. Now, what most interested me in this new Pew data analysis posted at Smirconish.com ended my Twitter feed, those who didn't vote, the non-voters, four in 10 Americans who were eligible to vote didn't exercise the franchise in 2016. In general terms, compared with validated voters, Non-voters, who were they? In broad strokes, they were younger, less educated, less affluent, and non-white. And non-voters were much more democratic. Consider this. Among members of the panel who were categorized as non-voters, this comes straight from the Pew data, 37% expressed a preference for Hillary Clinton, 30% for Donald Trump, 9% for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein, 14% preferred another candidate or declined to express a preference. That might be the most important nugget of all. She had a seven point lead over Trump among those who didn't go vote party affiliation among non-voters skewed even more Democratic than those candidate preferences that I just gave you. Democrats and Democratic-leaning independents, 55% majority of non-voters versus 41% who were Republican or Republican leaners. You see, I'm watching your eyes, because if they glaze, then I'm out of this whole subject. But I'm not doing that yet. No, I've been with you through all of this. And not, I'm owed this. Not a day goes I'm by. I'm owed this. Not a day goes by that someone does not accuse you oh, personally. You caused him to be elected. Correct. And especially on Saturdays, somehow the CNN audience is especially, you know... <laughs> <laughs> hip to that? Well, they. I think that the POTUS audience knows you a little better, I would say. So the CNN audience... Oof, it's rough, so I'm I'm I am enjoying this because my yeah. mantra has been take it up with the people who didn't vote. Yes, that is what you the say. The four in ten who didn't vote. Not a day goes by. So so this is really key. Third, among those who didn't vote, Hillary had a seven point margin over Trump. Thirty seven percent said they had a preference for her. Thirty percent said they had a preference for him. When you ask about party affiliation of the non-voters. Democrat or Democratic-leaning were 55% of those who didn't vote. 41% were Republican or non or, or Republican-leaning. And, you know, to state the obvious, if there were no deviation in demographics by voters versus non-voters, the percentage of any group would be identical in votes to non-voters. But that's not the case. So, for example, a heavier turnout of white voters affected this contest. Black and Hispanic voters voted much more heavily Democratic than white votes backed Trump, but they turned out less. Let me say it again. Black and Hispanic voters voted much more heavily Democratic than white votes voted for Trump, but they turned out less. For all this commentary about the the whites who supported Donald Trump, no, no, no. Black and Hispanic support for Hillary was much stronger among those who showed up, but they didn't show up. Whites showed up to vote. Another data point. Half of non-voters, half of non-voters were white. 74% of those who did show up were white. They came out. You know who didn't come out? The young. People under 30 preferred Clinton by 30 points, but made up much more of the non-voter population than the population that actually voted. A third of non-voters were under 30. A third of non-voters were under 30. Only one in eight voters was in that age group. Non-whites without a college degree? No-shows. An important part of Trump's constituency, but largely no-shows. Non-whites without a college education were 40% of the non-voter pool and only one in five actual voters. Q's data shows that almost half of the non-voters were non-white and two-thirds were under 50. More than half of those who didn't vote earned less than $30,000 a year and more than half of those who did were over 50. I'm almost finished. Pew's data allows us to see very specifically how voter turnout and candidate support compare by looking at the preferred candidate in a demographic group and then comparing the density of that group in the population that voted with the density in the non-voting population. We get a sense for how non-voters determined the 2016 results. We get a sense for how non-voters determined the 2016 results. Here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Passion. That's me speaking. That's not Pew or Philip Bump speaking. Passion. Demographic groups that preferred Trump were three times as likely to be a bigger part of the voter pool than non-voters. Among groups that preferred Clinton, they were about 50% more likely to be a bigger part of the non-voting community. Hillary's vote, didn't turn out. That's it. Hillary didn't turn out her vote. She did not lose because of me. She did not lose because of anybody who voted for Gary Johnson and Bill Weld or Jill Stein or any other third party candidate. She lost by not getting those who were for her to actually vote for her. And the final thing that I'll say about this, at least for now, is that um, there are great implications for this. There are great implications for this that, that transcend the 2016 election. It underscores, in my mind, I, I want everybody participating. And we've often had this conversation here on POTUS uh, before. I, I want everybody participating. I, I think we dilute the fringes When we have more more Americans participating in elections, that's my simple premise. I want more people participating in the nomination process as well as the ultimate election uh, process. But the parties are dug in and will remain dug in on the issue of whether we make it easier to vote. And the Republicans and the Democrats will look at this data and they will underscore their positions, meaning that D's will say, see, we got to make it easier for people of color, for the young. People shouldn't have to come out of their house to cast a ballot. They should be able to do it by mail. Uh, And Republicans will continue to resist. They'll continue to push voter ID. Republicans, like in my home state, I, I live in this anachronistic state of Pennsylvania where in November... On one day from 7 a.m. until 8 p.m., I will be invited to vote. And if I can't get there, I'm going to have to explain to somebody, well, where are you? Why couldn't you be here? Hey, I'm busy. I'm working. That doesn't cut it in my state. And this data will continue to divide the parties as such where Republicans will say, we're not going to make it easier to vote. You know why? Look who's coming. You think we want them voting? We don't want them voting. It's a shame because I don't look at this through a partisan lens. I don't look at this as, ooh, if we make it, let's see, if we have early voting, if we have mail-in ballots, uh, are we going to there therefore have some, some people of color and some women and some, that's not my analysis. My analysis is I, I don't want the hard right and the hard left running the country. And if everybody's in the water, especially during the nomination process, then we'll get more reasonable candidates. That's my premise. Vindication, ladies and gentlemen. Vindication. Take it up with those who didn't vote. Four in ten eligible Americans did, get, did not get off their butt to get out and cast a ballot. And if they had, it would have been a different outcome. It would have been a different outcome. Thank you, Pew. Thank you, Philip Bump. Thank you, Pew, for for your deep dive into the data of the 2016 election.